Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. This is part three in my message series titled Jesus is Coming. And uh, the title of today's message is The Day of the Lord God's Wrath Poured Out on Mankind. Okay. Last week was God's love for Israel, this week is wrath. Okay, so that's where we're going with it. Uh, Last week, you remember, we talked about the timeline in Daniel. Daniel's 70 weeks. We've been talking about that. And we've been in Daniel's 70th week and been going through that. And I told you, the whole point of a timeline, it's not so we can debate it and argue about who's right on their timeline. That's not the point. The point of a timeline is, number one, who set it up? God, right? So if God says 70 weeks, Daniel, have been decreed for your people, God set that up. And if God said 69 weeks until the coming of the Messiah from the decree of Artaxerxes, God did that, right? And if God says there's going to be a seven-year period, in the middle of the seven there's going to be some man of lawlessness that's going to set up a detestable image, God set that up. What's, what was the point? I said God is in control, right? So the point of the timeline is this is God moving through human history. This is not evil people and Satan trouncing and just wreaking havoc as they will. This is God's plan. That's what we're studying. And we said what's driving God's plan is His love for Israel. God loves us so much that He decided He wanted to bring people back into fellowship with Himself. Remember I told you with the sin of Adam and Eve, death and sin came into the world, that means everyone's history. If everyone had to pay for their sins, what's going to happen to them? They're going to burn in a lake of fire forever. Everyone. But God in His mercy and grace said, you know what? I think I'll reveal myself to humanity because I want them to know my great love, my incredible love, and I want to receive that love back from them. So I think I'll choose some guy named Abraham. And Abraham's going to have a people following a, a number of descendants, right? And so God chooses this container called Israel, pours His love, His commands, His ways. He allows allows sinful people to be restored. Uh, He provides sacrifices so that they can have fellowship with Him, have their sins forgiven. God did that, right? But then we saw that Paul said, well, Israel has received a hardening. Right? They, re- they rejected, by and large, the nation officially rejected the Messiah, Jesus, when He came. That's not a good thing. So does that annul or nullify God's promises? No. God made a covenant to Abraham. We talked about that. God made a covenant to Isaac, Jacob, David, Moses, right? His covenant was basically a promise saying, hey guys, I'm serious about this fellowship thing. I really do want to be with you. In fact, I'm going to guarantee what I said And it doesn't matter what happens on earth. doesn't matter what Satan throws. doesn't matter what evil people do. I'm going to guarantee and ensure that my covenant that I made with my people will go all the way until the end and I will be their God and they will be my people. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. We talked about that last week. This week, it gets a little harder. We're going to study the day of the Lord. Okay? Has anyone ever cheated you? Probably, right? Has anyone ever 
taken advantage of you. Probably. Maybe in a job situation. It could be a family member. It could be, I mean, something. All of us have been defrauded. We've been cheated. We've been lied to. We see there's tremendous injustice in the world. And we wonder, when is it going to end? Aren't you tired of race wars and gender wars and I mean, violence. I mean, aren't, aren't you just tired? Wouldn't you like to just see peace on earth? Well, it's coming. The day is coming. But right now, it hasn't hit yet. There's going to be a day coming when all the crooked paths are going to make, be made straight. Every single injustice is going to be turned and made right by God. Every I mean, there's billions, trillions of them, right? Since the beginning of human histories recorded. That's happening. That will happen. So part of the day of the Lord, even though it's terrible, it's also ushering in a day when all injustice is going to be done away with. Amen. Alright, so, let me just give you some purposes of the day of the Lord. I'm not going to cover them all today. Uh, I think next week is Father's Day? No. Next week I'm still doing this. Okay. Um, some purposes of the day of the Lord. What is the day of the Lord? Well, it's a day of the Lord's vengeance. Okay? It's a time of punishment for sin and iniquity. Okay, we said that before. It's a time to punish Israel's enemies. It's a time of Jacob's trouble. We'll talk about that. It's the final judgment on the nation. It's a time to bring salvation and restoration to Israel. And finally, it's a time to usher in the kingdom on earth and then eventually the heavenly kingdom to earth. Okay, so there's a number of things that are going to be accomplished in the day of the Lord. And I just read a number of them to you. I won't cover all of them today. So the question is, is the day of the Lord a single day? No, it's not a single day. It's a time period. And the reason I know that is because, as the Scripture says, it keeps mentioning the day of the Lord, and then it mentions judgment being poured out. Then it talks about the day of the Lord, and then it mentions restoration. Then it talks about the day of the Lord, and then it mentions the kingdom being ushered in. They don't all happen on the same day. Okay, it's a period, and it, it looks like it's around the, the last three and a half years of this 70th week of Daniel. So we're talking about the day of the Lord. It's a day of vengeance and punishment. Before I go into vengeance and punishment, the question is, is it fair for God to punish people? I think we know the answer to that, right? But do we? Have you ever been in a situation where you suffered to such a degree that you've you've questioned God about it or you've gotten upset with God, honestly? You've gotten angry with God. Okay, that happens sometimes. I want to dispel this because what we're about to go into, it's not easy to hear. It really isn't. So, you guys remember what happened with David after he became king? He wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And so he he tells them to go get it. And they load the Ark and they put it on a cart. And there's tambourines and there's celebration and there's people dancing. Awesome time, right? David's the newly established king. And um, so the, this donkey's pulling this cart. And um, 
and the donkey stumbles and the cart was going to tip and fall out and this guy named Uzzah reached out and, and tried to keep it from falling out. And then God killed him. The Scripture says God struck him down. It says God was angry with him and struck him down. All he did was touch and kept the ark from falling out. I mean, does that seem fair? Well, it seems severe, doesn't it? I think we would all agree God is just, but doesn't that seem severe? I mean, how could God do that? I'm sure you've had thoughts. Well, it has to do... Actually, uh, what follows that incident, it said David got angry. Why did David get angry? I think he was angry with God, but I think he was angry with himself too because he realized he was the one that set the whole thing up. And here this guy loses his life because of him. So we get angry sometimes with God. I think it has to do with our perspective. Our system of justice or fairness originates with me. I'm the center of my universe, right? So if I view God's justice from my weak perspective, I fall short, don't I? There's a way that seems right unto man, but the end is death. So I think I know what's fair and just, but do I really? But if you look at God's perspective, who is God? He's holy. What does that mean? He is so other than we are. We are sinful, finite, wretched creatures that He's decided to save by His grace. He is pure, holy. There's no unrighteousness found in Him. He's unchanging. There's no shadow or variation of turning within God. His system of justice, His system of righteousness, it's who He is. He's perfect with it. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Are we? No. He is qualified to judge. We're not. Okay. He's qualified to judge. So, it has to do with God's holiness. God has to punish sin. Now, we just happen to come in under grace, right? What did we sing about in most of the songs? We sang about the cross. We didn't have to be here. God didn't have to save us. He really didn't. But He did. By grace. And He's holy. And so now, we can stand before God because of the blood of the Lamb. But during this seven-week period, it's time for get to give an account. It's time for reckoning. It's time for punishment. It's time for vengeance. It's time for judgment. So who said judge? Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Did He say that to us? Can we repay? No. We don't repay. So, teens, brothers, does your sister get on your case and do something to you? And what do you do back? You get them back, right? You're not allowed to repay. Can't do that. Spouses, don't we repay? One of us gives the other spouse the cold shoulder, and the other spouse, you know, I'll, I'll get them, and they do it a little bit worse to us. We do that, don't we? Yes, we do that. It's wrong. It's sin. We don't. We don't. We don't execute vengeance on our spouses, our brothers and sisters. We bless people. We don't take revenge. God takes revenge. We leave that. That's His department. 
Okay, I think I've covered that enough, right? So are we human-centered or are we theocentric as we view what I'm about to tell you? So be God-centered as you hear this. All right, so here we go. Vengeance, Isaiah 34, 8. If you look in chapter 34, it says God's wrath against the nations. 34, 8. For the Lord has a day of vengeance, a year of recompense, payback for the cause of Zion. Okay, so that's coming. Zephaniah. Let's take a look at... uh, Let's see here. Well, I mean, we already talked about the vengeance. I mean, God can do it. That's just that's just the way it is. It's a time of revenge, is what's going to happen in history. Um, but Isaiah thirteen nine, we're going to see what this vengeance looks like. It's punishment on people for sin and wickedness. So let's take a look at Isaiah thirteen nine. Okay, it says, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, cruel with fury, burning anger, to make the land a desolation, and He will exterminate its sinners from it. Okay, so sinners will be exterminated by God. Verse 10, Stars will fall, constellations will not flash forth their light, the sun will be dark when it rises, the moon will not shed its light. Thus I will punish the world for its evil, and the wicked for their iniquity, I will put an end to the arrogance of the proud. The haughty are going to be brought low. The proud are going to be brought low. The wicked are going to be exterminated, wiped off the face of the planet. That's rough. That's rough. Zephaniah 1, 2, and 3. I will completely remove all things from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will remove man and beast. I will remove the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea, and the ruins along with the wicked. And I will cut off man from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. Verse 17. I will bring distress on men so they will walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord and their blood will be poured out like dust. Okay, is this a time where you want to be living? Not really. <laughs> Not really. It's hard reading this stuff, honestly. You know, it's it's hard doing this message because it's hard to make light. You know, how when you teach, it's helpful to bring some humor into a situation so people don't go it helps with the message. It's hard to bring humor into this message today. Because this stuff is, this is not, this is not, um, well, it's just allegory. The blood flowing from the dust, that stands for, no, it's not. It's not allegory. This is not figurative language. This is going to happen. And it's terrible. All right, so there's vengeance on. The world is going to be punished for its sin. The world is going to be punished for iniquity. Israel's enemies are going to be punished. So let's go back in the Old Testament. Let's see how they were punished in the Old Testament. So then when we look in this 70th week, 
You'll say, okay, God can do that if he wants to. Right, Old Testament. Well, you remember what God said to Abraham, those that bless you, I will bless. Those that curse you, I will curse. In other words, God said, hey, I'm making a covenant with you, Israel. You worship me, you obey my commands, I'll give you health, I'll feed you, I'll take care of you, I'll guard you back from your enemies. Your enemies come after you, I'm on it. They don't have a chance against me. Isn't that what he said? That was his covenant that he made with them. So God's just honoring his covenant. You attack Israel, you're in, you're in deep trouble. In fact, if you read Ezekiel chapters 25 through 31, it's a proclamation against Tyre. It's the proclamation of judgment against Sidon. It's the proclamation of judgment against Philistia, against Babylon, against Egypt, against Ammon. On and on and on. All those nations that fought against Israel, that put down Israel, that rejoiced in Israel's demise, their history. Let's just take a look at one, Ezekiel 25.6. This is... Uh, This is a proclamation, a judgment on Ammon. Verse 6, For thus says the Lord God, because you have clapped your hands and stamped your feet and rejoiced with all the scorn of your soul against the land of Israel. Not a good thing to do. Therefore, behold, I have stretched out my hand against you, and I will give you for spoil to the nations, and I will cut you off from the peoples and make you perish from the lands, I will destroy you. Thus you will know that I am the Lord. You don't mess with Israel. (laughs) You really don't. You really don't. There's a day coming in the 70th week. There's a dragon. Who is a dragon? Satan. There's the beast, the Antichrist. There's a false prophet. And he's going to turn the Gentiles against the saints, against the Jews. And the whole world will be persecuting the Jews. Okay, what's God going to (laughs) do? It's not going to look good for Satan, the beasts, and all the people that persecuted the Jews. And we're going to see some of that today. Okay, we're going to go into the Great Tribulation now. Last week, I stopped... Uh, We said that this Antichrist, this man of lawlessness, was given authority for 42 months to actually kill the saints. Just run roughshod over them. I mean, just wipe them out. That authority was from God, by the way. That authority is given. Now, God doesn't do wickedness through people. Okay, but just realize that all authority is from God. Let's take a look. Revelation 13, 5 through 10. Some of this I read last week. This is talking about the beast. There was given to him a mouth, speaking arrogant words and blasphemies, and authority to act for 42 months were given to him. So he opens his mouth, he blasphemes God, then he blasphemes his temple. Verse 6, verse 7. It was also given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. Okay, so we're trying to figure out what's going to happen in this tribulation period. The saints are going to be annihilated, basically. Uh, Not completely, but it's it's not good. Uh, To overcome them, authority 
over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Everyone whose name has, has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of the life of the Lamb who has been slain. Okay, so, of course, the true saints aren't going to worship this image set up in the temple. Verse 9, I don't know if you have verse 9, but it says, If anyone has an ear, let him hear. Well, what do we need to hear, John? If anyone is destined to captivity, to captivity he goes. If anyone kills with the sword, with the sword he must be killed. Here is the perseverance and faith, faith of the saints. So what's gonna, what do these people, what do these saints need during this time? Perseverance, endurance, faith, right? How are you going to survive a genocide? And by the way, you guys, you guys remember, um, I don't know, the last 10, 15 years, remember North, Northern Sudan? They wiped out millions of Christians in the South. I mean, they just wiped them out, just killed them. You guys are familiar with genocides of Rwanda. You're familiar with what Hitler did, right? Just wipes the Jews out. That's what's going to happen. They're just going to get wiped out. Wiped out. But it takes perseverance. And the application for us is we live in a country where we are not being physically persecuted by and large, right? We have had some persecution, physical. Uh, so we can be thankful for that. But the troubles and the trials that we go through, we need perseverance, don't we? We need faith. I need faith just to wake up in the morning and open my eyes and face a day. Right? When you have any level of responsibility, you need perseverance and you need faith. Well, these people need it. And I don't even think it's, I don't even think it's wrong to pray now for that group of people. I, I think it. I think God, God can answer that prayer. Um, let's keep going. Revelation 13, 5 through 10. I read that. Revelation 13, 15. Let's see what that says. 13, 15. And it was given to him to give breath to the image. Remember I said there's an image set up in the temple. It's an abomination. It's a detestable thing that's going to cause horrif- horrifying well, this image is set up. The image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So what's going to happen to these people as soon as this beast sets himself up in the temple? He's going to start killing people. And he causes all, the small and the great, verse 16, rich and the poor, free men and slave to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Of course, the number of his name is 666. I don't know what that means, but I think that the people in that generation will know what 666 means. So why is he causing everyone to take this mark so he can control them, right? And of course, the saints aren't going to take the mark because if you take the mark, you have to worship this image, and we don't worship idols but we'll pay a price for our faith. I say that so casually and flippantly. We don't worship idols. Well, they'll, they'll pay, they'll prove that statement with their life. They'll prove that statement. But there's some good things that happen during this time. 
So I can tell you some good news. Even though there's a massive number of saints killed, let's see what happens to those who are killed, Revelation 7, 9. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all the tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, Woe unto us! We were annihilated! Terrible, terrible times. I don't know if it has it up there. Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshipped God saying, Amen! Blessing and honor and wisdom and thanksgiving. Honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. So it's not a woe is me ending, is it? And then one of the angels said to John, well, John, who were they? And John's like, I don't know. You tell me. He said, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And they're rewarded. There's some good coming out of this. Also, uh, you know, God has people witnessing during this time. You guys remember the two witnesses of Revelation? Let's see what they're all about. This is a good story. Uh, Revelation 11.2. Let's go there. Here. So it's not all doom and gloom. It's not like Satan is controlling things. God is controlling things. Alright, the angels are supposed to measure the temple. In verse 2 it says, Leave out the court which is outside the temple and do not measure it, for it has been given to the nations and they will tread underfoot the holy city for 42 months. Three and a half years. And I will grant authority to my two witnesses and they will prophesy for 1260 days clothed in sackcloth. That's three, three and a half years again. These are the two olive branches, the two lampstands that stand before all the earth. So guess what happens? These guys are going to prophesy. Prophesy what? Repent. It's about to all end. Judgment's coming. Repent. Worship God. Serve Him alone. So they do this. Anyone tries to attack them, fire can come out of their mouth. They can kill whoever they want to. They can stop the rain from heaven. They can cause any plague on the earth to happen that they want to. You can't touch these guys. Why? Because God's protecting them. And so they witness. Eventually the beast comes up, overpowers them, kills them. They're in the street for three and a half days. And after three and a half days, what happens? The breath, there's a voice from heaven saying, Come up here. And they get up. Meeting the Lord in the end. That's pretty cool. God's in control of this timetable. God also can uh, keep people. He seals 144,000. Revelation 7, 3, and 4. Take a look at that. You know, he's, he's telling the angels in verse 3, don't harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of our God on their foreheads. So that's God's grace to seal His servants before these judgments are poured out, right? How many are sealed? Verse 4, And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000, 
seal from every tribe of Israel, 12,000 from Asher, 12,000 from Judah, 12,000 from every single tribe. What are they going to be doing? Witnessing. <laughs> What's left to do during that period? Right? You're not, you're not taking picnics. You're not, I mean, you're telling people about God. You're pointing people to worship the true God and to stay away from the beast. Well, God seals them and protects them. And later on, they're seen in heaven. They're called the first fruits. They're seen in Mount Zion with God. They've been the first fruits redeemed from men. So God can, God can protect anybody to go through this tribulation period if He wants to. That's good news. But you know, so far, everything I've described is Satan, demons, and wicked men wreaking havoc on the earth. You could say, literally, hell on earth. But that's nothing compared to what God is about to do on the earth. Okay? You have a handout. Class, get your handout out. You will be quizzed on this in a few minutes. This shows you what God is going to do. Just remember, just and true are your ways, O Lord, for you are the King of saints. Okay, God's ways are just and true. Okay, you guys see in the left-hand column, there's seven seals. It all starts in Revelation 6 and goes through Revelation 16. And you look at the seals. Second seal, peace taken from the earth, people killing each other. Third seal, famine people starving. Fourth seal, people being killed with hunger. The animals are going to do God's bidding and inflict punishment on people. God is going to use animals to kill people. And death, of course. Fifth seal, martyrs cry out for their blood. Vengeance on their blood. So notice the martyrs, the martyrs weren't given to execute vengeance, but it's okay for the saints to say, God, will you avenge us? It's okay to say that. Sixth seal, earthquake, sun, moon, blackened, stars falling to the sky, maybe not the literal stars, maybe meteors, I don't know, sky rolled up like a scroll. The seventh seal is really the seventh trumpets. It's the seven trumpets. Does that make sense? The seventh seal opens up all seven trumpets. I mean, hail, fire, blood thrown to the earth, a third of vegetation burned up, some kind of burning mountain thrown into the sea, a third of it becomes as blood. Some kind of burning star falls down. A third of the rivers poisoned. The sun and the moon, stars darkened. Locusts are able to sting and torment people for five months. A third of mankind is killed by angels. Then the kingdom is proclaimed in the seventh trumpet. The seventh trumpet opens up the seven bowls. Okay, this is it, the last seven. Foul and loathsome sores for those with the mark of the beast. The sea turns to blood and kills every living creature. Say, well, John, that's just a metaphor. This isn't going to happen. No, this is going to happen. Rivers and springs turn to blood. This is really interesting. Right after the rivers and springs turning to blood, it's like John anticipates it's too much. This isn't fair. It's too much. So the Scripture immediately following that, I've listed at the bottom of your sheet. 
Here's what the, here's what the angel says. You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things, for they have shed the blood of the saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. Is God just to do what he's doing here? Yes. Do we like it? No. It's terrible. It's horrible, isn't it? Men are scorched from the fire by, by the sun. That's going to happen. Darkness will be poured onto the beast and his kingdom is going to be... Men will be in great pain. It says they'll be gnawing their tongues. The demons will be released to gather the whole world to come and fight the battle of Armageddon, which is against Jerusalem. That's going to happen. We're going to talk about that next week. The greatest earthquake to ever hit the earth will happen. Hailstones, 75 to 100 pounds, are going to fall on people. Okay, God, God is doing this. Just and true are your ways, O God, for you are the king of saints. Right? God is just. These people have had opportunity to repent. In fact, it says in the middle of all this judgment being poured out, it says men still would not repent but chose to curse God. They still had an opportunity to repent and they refused to do it. So God's mercy was there. Even as He's pouring out judgment on people, the implication is there was still opportunity for people to repent. You know, what, what can, how can you conclude this? Um, one thing, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, the Scripture says, right? Paul said, Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men... So maybe what should we be doing during this season of grace? Maybe we should be persuading men to follow Jesus, right? Maybe knowing this should help motivate us. Wow, I don't want my neighbor to go through this. I don't want my family member to go through this. This is this is horrific. This is I mean, this is it. There's no second chances once this stuff is poured out. Also, Thanksgiving, right? I know for a fact that the sun is not going to scorch me. I know it for a fact. And I know for a fact that hailstones are not going to fall on me and my family and crush us. I know that for a fact. Why? Because Jesus took the full wrath. Guys, how many people are on the planet? Seven billion? I don't know, eight billion? I, I forget. Okay, so how many in recorded history? Let's just say there's been 10 billion people throughout all history. How many sins have 10 billion people committed? A lot, right? The punishment for the sins of 10 billion people, the fullness of punishment and wrath were poured out on Jesus Christ. I'm not going to drink blood from a river. I'm not going to have demons sting me and torture my family. It isn't going to happen because of what Jesus did for me. That's, that's the good news. That's the good news. <clears throat> so who's qualified to take revenge? Not me. So you think if you want to take revenge, you're going to fight against God. That's not a good thing. The other thing I got out of this was everything's going to be wasted. The whole earth is going to be wasted. So you know that little house you've worked so hard to build and you're so proud of? 
it's history. <laughs> it's gone. It's going to burn up. I mean, don't, don't set your hope on things. I mean, enjoy the good things God has given you. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying don't make idols out of our houses, our cars, our, our whatever, okay? They're gone. They're wasted. They're melted down. Next week, we'll go into Armageddon, and then we'll look at the kingdom. So we'll have, uh, it'll be a little lighter message. This was message heavy. Next week, it'll be a little lighter. Uh, Can I have the communion helpers come up? Those of you that are going to do communion. You know, how do you transition from the day of the Lord to the table of the Lord? Well, I wrote some things down. The day of the Lord, the wicked are punished. You guys can come up. The wicked are punished for their sins. At the table of the Lord, we celebrate Christ being punished for our sins. The day of the Lord, God takes revenge, punishes, and repays. At the table of the Lord, we receive Forgiveness for our sins and pardon. We celebrate that we've received forgiveness and sins. So do you see a contrast between the day of the Lord and the table of the Lord? It's the table of the Lord. It's like in that new light, it's like, my goodness, God, this is incredible. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.